0: 94.9 News Now. This is Byron Lazine and Chaz Cook from the one team at William Ravis Real Estate. Chaz, what's going on?
1: Uh, not too much. Excited for today's show, though, because we have got a lot of Connecticut news, some real estate, some business, but all good things happening around us in the in the great nutmeg state.
0: A lot of good things. The Connecticut Shoreline is back in the New York Times. With a piece written by Joel Oh no! By Lisa, Prevost. Hmm. I thought it was Joel something. When I read it, the smart Anyways, oh, the photograph was a guy Tony, but that that would not be a Joel. That would right? not be a Joel. I was thinking of my good friend Joel Lucas, who's uh, a real estate agent, along w- uh, alongside our colleagues when in, in Old Saybrook. I
1: was gonna say Joel Lucas does a lot in uh, like the yeah. No or Cornfield Norwood area. Yeah.
0: Yep. Good guy. All right. Old Saybrook, Connecticut, a quiet shoreline with relatively low taxes is the headline in the New York Times. Middlesex community was once a place where middle class people built cottages. Now cash buyers are winning bidding wars. So what what stuck out to you in this story here? What stuck out to me was actually the taxes, right? Because
1: that's always been an interesting point about the town of Old Saybrook, where it is on the shoreline. You look at some of the other shoreline towns. Madison, Guilford, for example, the taxes are much higher. Old Saybrook has always managed to keep their tax, their mill rate, down, while still like keeping mom and pop shops in town, right? So you see a lot of these bigger cities. The tax rates, the taxes will be a little bit lower, but they've got a lot of bigger business. But you just recently moved to Old Saybrook. I grew up in Old Saybrook, and you know you can walk down Main Street, and it's the same shops that you've seen for twenty plus years there. So I think that they've done a really good job at supporting small business.
0: Uh, Small businesses do a good job of supporting each other, too, by the way. If you go to Luna's Ice Cream, they have Ashland Farm Coffee. If you go to Liv's Oyster Bar Mm -hmm. on Main Street, they have Grano's Pasta from across the street. Um, If you go into – going back to the ice cream place, you go to Luna's, they have a TV screen showing you of all the different – main street events and different things that are happening with the small businesses, every, if there's an opportunity, the small businesses are buying from each other Mm -hmm. and supporting each other. And old Saybrook does that maybe as well or better than almost anybody I've seen on the Connecticut Shoreline. So this article is written by, again, Lisa Prevost. She's a freelance journalist, um, who specializes in housing real estate development and the transition to clean energy. Uh, Her work regularly appears in the New York Times. It's also, though, been published, Boston Globe, uh, CNBC, and others. So she lives in Fairfield, Connecticut, according to her LinkedIn. Um, This isn't the first time the Golden Triangle, I call it like that Golden Triangle of, you know, the shoreline. I would say I extend the Golden Triangle more than, than some, but I go like, you know, Guilford, madison branford all the way to mystic Stoneton and then up to you know call it east hadam you know up yep. the connecticut river absolutely um or the lower portion of the connecticut river and that that whole golden triangle is you know a lower priced version of what you might get for the hamptons which of course was referenced in the hamptons Was anyways referenced in this article they always do get brought up as a comparison this guy, Joel Bloom, a financial advisor who's in the piece who moved from Saybrook, uh, moved to Saybrook from Westbrook earlier this year. But I actually met him at Bangoran's. Did you really? Recently. What a small world. Yeah, we had a whole, we had a very interesting night. Bangoran's cigar shop in uh, in downtown Saybrook. But um, yeah, the taxes are one of the reasons. They, they reference a story, Lisa references a story at the top of the article, this Diana and Dan, Colcord. They spent the spring looking to downsize from their home in Madison, Connecticut. Uh, Their hunt spanned the Connecticut coastline from New Haven, to Old Lyme. They found the ideal landing place in Saybrook. And uh, one of the big attractors was how low the taxes were. So one day after the home listed, it was a two bedroom condo for $489,000 in a small complex close to town center. I know the complex competing offers followed. Uh, But the company persisted, and they finally got the home for $560,000. They love their walkable lifestyle, restaurants being around the corner, the Catherine Hepburn's Cultural Arts Center honoring Old Saybrook's most famous former resident.
1: They get some great shows there, too. Like, they've had Rusted Root there right at the Kate. I mean, and tickets are, like, 20, 25 bucks. So, you know, kudos to Old Saybrook because with how much they have going on, with how small the town is in terms of square mileage, it still feels like a small town, but they have all of these things, five private beaches, all the inlets. And one thing that you mentioned, the condos, I would say maybe 10 years ago, maybe just a little longer, we didn't really have many condos in Old Saybrook. So that's been a nice addition. We've had like Banbury Crossing, which is more of like a single family, you know, detached association, but they've actually started to build some true condominiums in town and it's helped immensely.
0: Now I'm in the same category as this retired couple from Madison. Okay. I sold my Madison house last year, right? Uh, what I thought was a really good number. And then I bought at the end of last year in Saybrook, renovated the house. We've enjoyed it very much throughout the summer and, and it's downtown. It's walkable to all the restaurants and the Kate, just like they're talking about here on their condo. And we competed in a multiple offer situation. We were Cash and so that you know we were able to beat other offers. We actually didn't have to go over asking price. Uh, there were some offers that were over asking, but we had just a much cleaner, quicker close, better condition, you know, um, offer for the for the seller. Um, but it you know this article kind of alludes to um, you know that these lower taxes are bringing in these higher offers, which is going to just keep pushing prices up mm-hmm. and um you know that's what happens when you have a very desirable right. area for for sure the average age they reference here in old saybrook is higher than the median in the state so the median age in saybrook is 52 where the state it's 41 uh i'm sorry yeah 52 compared mm-hmm. with statewide being 41 years old you, you, it's it's attractive for retirees that want to be on the shoreline there's actually three retirees on my street from hartford county um that uh you know wanted the downtown living one of them actually bought originally in mystic was like it just gets too busy in the too summer busy, yeah and then uh and then bought over there but yeah That's lower, interesting. lower taxes
1: he said that about uh mystic getting too busy because we've we always operated in the summertime the population triples in old saybrook So they're at 10,000 year-round residents in the summer, probably on like the peak of like the vacation weeks these weeks that we're talking about right now. There could be as many as 25,000, 30,000 people in town. And it's manageable. It's not like a mystic, but it's definitely manageable to get around with that number of people.
0: All right. Old Saybrook makes the New York Times. We're talking real estate market here in your uh, Connecticut state. All of that when we come back. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now. Stimulating talk. I'm attorney John Henry. On 94.9 News Now is Byron Lazine and Chaz Cook from the One Team at William Ravis Real Estate. You can reach out to us at OneTeamCT.com. The One Team is the number one team in the state of Connecticut, according to the CTMLS in home sold. We had the most home sold in 2022 with over 700. And uh, for teams, again, year to date here in 2023, trending to be the most homes sold across the entire state of Connecticut. Reach out to us at One OneTeamCT.com ct.com. That's O N E Team CT.com. If you need any help with your residential oil tanking needs, then there's only one number to call, and that's going to be Service Station Equipment's number. Dougie Braun, the Tank Man, he can come out, get you all set up on your tanking needs. Whatever you got, an oil tank in the ground that needs to come out. You got an old oil tank in uh, in the basement. You want to get that thing all set up before the winter hits. Call Service Station Equipment. They're your residential tank specialist. one 800 801 tank. one 800 801 tank. Get the tank man over there from Service Station Equipment for all your tanking needs. All right, Chaz. Uh Saybrook's in old Saybrook's in the in the New York Times. That's that's good news. There's also some like a couple different stories in Connecticut that have to do with cars. One <laughs> one particular car company and then one that's really odd about if you're driving down the highway, you might've noticed that.
1: I have not personally seen it yet, but it does not surprise me when I read through the article. Uh, it just kind of, you know, so for those who don't know, Connecticut's been doing a lot of work on their highways in case, you know, you haven't been, uh, it's been out there driving. My whole life, I feels like. <laughs> it's been nonstop. You know, we finish one project, we go right into the other. Um, but some Connecticut residents have been some of the, have been seeing purple lights on the highway, and here's
0: why. The Connecticut Post Facebook post, by the way, has oh, almost 700 reactions, 154 shares. Shout out to Scott Gladstone, who owns the uh, all the Verizon Wireless shops in New London County. Uh, he thumbs it up. Just uh, thinking okay. of you, Scott, if you're listening, brother. There I you go.
1: In a while. And great piece here by Stephen Good. He's a staff writer for the CT Post. Uh, this, especially on Route Nine, this was a big part. So up near the, if you in the Glastonbury area, if you come across a stretch of purple road lights on Route Three in Glastonbury or Route Nine in Berlin, don't make an appointment to see an eye doctor. Okay, so I like that they're poking a little fun at it here, but let's see what's actually going on, what's causing this. Some of the lights illuminating those state highways are changing to the wrong color, purple. State Department of Transportation transportation officials said Thursday that they are aware of the issue and that so far it has affected about 100 of the 5,000 lights the agency bought as part of a plan to replace all the current roadway lights on Connecticut's highways with more energy-efficient LEDs, which use 50% less electricity. So maybe Eversource is going to bring our uh, bills down now. So um, we're saving. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Josh Morgan, a spokesman for the DOT, said that they became aware of the oddity through a variety of notices from travelers to state police and DOT workers, and that most of the reports center on Routes 3 and 9. I can tell you, I used to drive that every day back and forth up into Glastonbury, up Route 9 to Glastonbury. It's busy enough up there. The last thing we do is need people getting distracted with purple lights. So... I can only imagine the chaos that's called, caused. Well,
0: you know, purple lights were very common in in uh, high school or college Yeah, black lights. Rooms, black lights. <laughs> Maybe it's because they've legalized marijuana. I Maybe? They're I mean, trying to
1: keep everybody's eyes a little more toned down, yeah, a little less
0: stimulated. You know, all of a sudden marijuana's legal and they've got purple lights on the streets. Or is this
1: a secret thing where you need, what's that, uh, the black light paint where you can only see it if the black light shines on it? Yeah. And on it?
0: I mean, nice at night. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Morgan went on to say that the defective lights manufactured by equity brands were produced between June 17th, June 2017 and June 2019. And usually take about two years to turn from blue slash white to purple. Morgan said that the state started installing the lights in 2020 and 2021. So the timeline aligns now that I didn't really understand. Cause we were talking about this, uh, the other day and led lights typically last 20 plus years. It's kind of the point of them. So why does it take two years? Why do they go from blue-slash-white to purple?
0: Like, after did, two years. After sound two like, years, right. Sounds like these aren't the best quality lights. But here's the interesting part.
1: We're not the only state to observe the purple light phenomenon. At least half a dozen states from California to North Carolina have also reported the lighting issue. So we're all buying from the same company and all having the same issues here.
0: Usually government contracts work that way. You get one company running a monopoly uh one of the facebook comments emily clark says are we turning into a purple state now laugh out loud <laughs> i don't know i don't think so um so evan hempel on facebook said you couldn't be bothered to include a photo of the purple lights in your article so beating up ct post that would be nice yeah i mean a, a photo
1: show the purple lights right you
0: now that, that that could be
1: that way people know because now what you're gonna have is you're gonna have people just driving looking for a purple light Instead of paying attention to the road, show them what it looks like so they can know what it you know know what to look for.
0: Obviously, a lot of tax comments on the article too. Um, somebody wrote, "Just turn off all the lights and people will drive slower." Maybe not the best for safety. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what kind of comments we had on the actual CT
1: Post article, not just on the uh, Facebook here. But they are going to replace them. So, long story short, is they're going to who's
0: replacing them? The tax just- dollars or the company? Oh. Well,
1: I'm going to leave that one open. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to assume it's going to be our tax dollars in some way or another. It doesn't say specifically. It said the company stands by their product.
0: Well, then they should be replacing them. It doesn't sound like they're replacing them if they stand by it.
1: Yeah. Well, and just the the nonchalant way Manufactured
0: by Acuity, brands were produced between June and – the 17th and and June 2019. Uh, Take about two years to change colors. But So is the company saying – oh, no, the company will replace the lights. It says at the bottom. Moreland oh, okay. said the company will replace the lights, which costs about 300 apiece and no additional cost. So they're going to replace the lights, not on our dime. I wonder if they're going to be changing out all 5000 It sounds like you know if this is just starting to it's going to be like all the lights at some point.
1: Right, because they, they put the, the lights in over the course of two years so that we've hit the first hundred. That was probably six months of them working, and so now it's just going to continue to trend. So they, do they have to do a total recall? We're going to keep, uh, keep tabs on this and find out what is going on with the purple lights up on the Route 9 corridor and Route 3. But yeah, it, it caused a spectral shift. I guess that's kind of how they were describing I'm not really sure what that is. or I guess the, the way the light reacts off of the lens is what changes it from blue to white. I don't know, but maybe we should work on getting somebody from Equity Brands on the show and hear directly from them. Yeah, I'd love to have them. think we can make a connection there? Love to have them. What else we got in cars? What else we got in cars? This was a very interesting one to me because I didn't even know this was a thing until I came across this article. But Tesla is set to open a direct sales location at Mohegan Sun. After years of lobbying Connecticut's legislator for an exemption to a law requiring that cars be sold through licensed dealerships, electric vehicle manufacturer Tesla will begin offering direct to consumer sales on sovereign tribal lands at Mohegan Sun. So great job Mohegan Sun. That's gonna be huge for you guys. Byron, you have a Tesla so and you got it down in Florida. What was that experience like? Were you able to go to a dealers Tesla dealership, or did you have to go and go order the car and?
0: Yeah, I've got two now because I bought one, and them my wife fell in love, so she bought one. So we did it both ways. My first car in 2020, my first Tesla. I think in 2020, I went to the Waterside Shops in Naples, and they have what they would call a dealership, but it's not like you think of a normal dealership. It's like an Apple store. Mm-hmm. You go in there; they got a, they got a car or two in the showroom. It's just one or two cars in a showroom. It really just kind of looks like an Apple store, a couple desks with, you know, computers where you can build out a car and ask questions of a sales associate. And then they have two or three cars in the parking lot. This is an, an outdoor wa- mall, Waterside Shops. So they have two or three cars. When I walked in, my experience was I they said, hey, do you want to wait for we've got a schedule of test drives today? You know, maybe three three, four hours, we can get you a test drive. I said, no, nah, I just want to order the car. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to test drive it, but I'm a little odd. So <laughs> not, every, not everybody would do that. Not everybody, you know, I, I've gone to Valenti's here in Connecticut. Shout out to Valenti Auto Mall and bought a car without test driving it. Right. You know, so that's just been my style. I'll kind of read about it online, get some thoughts and just like, okay, let me go buy. I'm not a big car guy, you know, so. Um, that was the experience there, and then they have a distribution center in Fort Myers, a little mm-hmm. north of Naples. So that's where the car actually got shipped and delivered to. Okay, and so I went up there and picked it up. We ordered my wife's just online, she had already driven mine, she loved it. Ordered hers just on our phone, All right? That's a small down payment for Tesla, it's like 250 bucks they won't even take more money really it's like you just put down 250 bucks and then you pay the balance when the car comes in if you're buying a cash if you were you know to get a loan from them you'd go through the you know the loan process there but to reserve a brand new car you just put down 250 bucks you lose that if you don't move forward they got so much demand you know if you don't move forward it's fine um and so then hers went to the distribution center once it was ready. Same thing, picked it up.
1: Now, if you would have had the opportunity to walk into a Tesla dealership like this one that uh, they are opening up on the tribal grounds of Mohegan Sun and test drive the car you were physically going to buy, would you have still taken the the pass on it? Or have you gone, OK, I'm going drive this I mean, one home today?
0: It was very, I think most people will, Yeah, you know, uh, want to test drive it. I am just, you know. Point A to point B, the reason I got attracted to the Tesla is because I don't want to go get an oil change. I don't want to stop and get gas. It just, those are Time wasters. Time wasters. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I'm not trying to save the planet or anything, although I care <laughs> about the planet. It's not like a driving motivation right. for me to get the Tesla. It was, wow, I can just charge at home and not stop and get gas. And oil changes were always the most frustrating. It's like yeah. I'd be over... On my oil change and I'd have to schedule it and it'd be like the most, bu- you know, everybody's busy, but it'd be like, I'm so busy. I got so many things. And then I'm sitting there for an hour and 15 minutes. And actually, Valenti Automall is good, good Wi-Fi for any of you guys that use this. Service, but, <laughs> all right.
1: Uh, I feel you on that. Yeah, I think
0: it'll be good. Yeah. You know?
1: No, and I mean, they go on to say that it's an electrifying milestone in Mohegan Sun's commitment to fostering impactful relationships, promoting environmental sustainability oh, and yeah. offering cutting-edge experiences.
0: There you go, Mohegan. Get all the buzzwords and we'll, we'll, we'll give you some more buzzwords on your real estate market. When we come back, <laughs> Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now, Stimulating Talk. barn in Groton is real estate radio 94.9 news now stimulating talk byron lazine and chaz cook with the one team at william Rivers real so you can find us at one team ct.com chaz one team's Got a whole bunch going on. We got some open houses and a rewind for the week. That is right. We
1: had ourselves another heck of a week. We had two new listings. We had 14 closings and 16 under Contracts. Our first new listing was brought to us by other, no other, none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Lebar, 30 Lebar. Mayville Drive in Mottville, Connecticut. His, you know, new hometown where he's been hanging out. It's true. Hit the market. This raised ranch for two hundred and twenty nine thousand nine hundred dollars. Two beds, one bath, just under a thousand square feet. You've got a big old backyard, a back deck. You've got just under a half an acre. Great property. What is a uh, good take to- oh, over the private backyard with a shed, light and bright eat-in kitchen, finished area in the lower level adds space for a family room, exercise room, workshop, etc. And it's got a generator. So if you're looking in the Montville area and you want to put in a little TLC to a home, you can reach out to Lee at OneTeamCT.com to schedule your private showing of 30 Mayville Drive in Montville. Our other new listing was 94 Sandy Hollow Road, brought to the market by Mary Pula. I'm not going to go too far into this one because it's already under contract, but it hit for $539,900, three beds, three baths, just over 2,200 square feet. This was a great property, again, with a big, beautiful back porch and a huge addition that was put on in 2004, 2005. So congrats to Mary on that one. Again, that was 94 Sandy Hollow Road in Groton, Connecticut. (laughs) closings we had i'm sorry under contracts we had 14 of them under contracts in New London Salem New London Oakdale Ivoryton Bristol Thomaston New Haven New Haven Middlebury Plainfield Simsbury New Haven and Marlborough closing 16 of them congratulations to our buyers sellers and investors closings in New London New London Bridgeport East Haddam Madison Newington Bristol Norwich New Haven Columbia Oxford New Haven Branford New London again Kent and Shelton man Watch out for that new London market, folks. I'm telling you, it is on the up and up. I know two of those closings were mine in that city of New London, and it is just great to see what they're doing down there. So keep an eye out for when the Coast Guard Museum comes, when that new high-rise building comes, and for when they redo down near the ferry and train station. All right, open houses. we got one going on today, Saturday, August 5th, from 11 to 1 to right now in the middle of the show. That is 27 Summit View Road in Terryville. We've got Elena there hanging out. And by the way, that property just had a price improvement. That was late to the game, so we're going to go ahead and throw that into the rewind. You can head on over there to 27 Summit View Road in Terryville and say hi to Elena and check out the price improvement on that property. Going on tomorrow, Sunday, August 6th from 10 to 12, the residences at 66 High Street in Guilford, Connecticut. Alan, the talent spot will be there for Nicole, answering all your questions, showing you all around the new final building in the project that is the residence is at 66 High Street. And that's going to do it for this week's One Team Weekly Rewind. There's
0: your One Team Rewind for the week and all our open houses. If you'd like to get on the list, reach out to us, Byron at OneTeamCT.com or Chaz at OneTeamCT.com. This is brought to you by Service Station Equipment, your residential tank specialist, 1-800-801-TANK. So it's the turn of the month.
1: Turn of the month means the numbers are in. That's right. We've got all of your July numbers, so the first seven months of the year, as well as the last 30 days, as to what's going on with inventory, median price, and months of supply in the state of Connecticut. And so... Just looking across all property types, just kind of doing a quick one one glance over that, and then we'll get into single-family homes because that is where most of the people are curious about, and we'll touch on condos briefly. But the median sale price across all property types, so that's land, townhouses, condos, multifamilies, single families, you name it, mobile homes, 349900 which is up 7.7% year over year. If we look at the average sale price, Across that same time, again, all property types, wow, we are at 487,427, which is up 5.8%. So Connecticut continues to rise in the value of homes here. Let's just look at single-family real quick because that actually did not go up for the first time in a while. We had been on a steady incline, and we stayed at $380,000 for single-family homes for across the entire state of Connecticut for. All property types, though, there we did see a little bit of a bump and up. Not single-family, right? Uh, that last price was single-family. This is going to be yeah. all property types. We're at 349900 and uh, up 7.7 there. So, wow, good job, State of Connecticut. But, you know, we may be seeing prices continue to go up, but we actually saw our months of supply go down. We were holding steady Since December of 2022, all the way up until the end of July at 2.1 months of supply. And we have now dipped down to two months. Which isn't a big shocker to me because we saw rates hit seven and stay above seven for the last two weeks of the month. So, seeing a little bit of a slowdown there. Maybe people are just trying to be a little bit more patient and see what's going to happen with the rates and see if they can come back down into that mid-six range where we were still seeing a lot of competition. But, you know, being at seven one, seven two. I would definitely you know, make sure you're talking to your lo- mor- local mortgage broker and understanding where your buying power is. We just had a, a nice lunch and learn with Tomo, our friends at Hello Tomo. Shout out to them. They did a great job breaking down for us where credit scores are and also their CHAFA program and how even if you are qualified for a conventional mortgage, you may be able to utilize the CHAFA program, get a lower rate, and even get some closing cost assistance on that. So we're going to be having the boys from Tomo on the show here in the next couple of weeks. We'll pick their brains on that a little bit more and let them tell you exactly who should be looking into that Chaffa program.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a common issue. It's the inventory. It's the lock and effect on these interest rates now being up over 7.2% basically to finish out the week on Mortgage News Daily's uh, most recent Daily poll the thirty year uh, Freddie Mac survey how does that six point nine so the rates continue to go up not down there's a a theme there out there that you know, there's a camp that says they're just going to be higher for longer you know you keep talking about mm-hmm. this or hearing about this soft landing actually yesterday um, the rate came down from seven point two to seven. The 10-year dropped a little bit yesterday, so we saw some reprieve there, but still over 7%. But you're hearing this theme of this camp that says, okay, well, um, we might have a soft landing, no recession, which uh, you could argue that if that comes true, they'd start cutting rates, and then you'd start to see the 30-year potentially come down once they start cutting rates. Um, There's obviously the other camp, hard landing, Recession, you can make the argument that a recession is going to bring lower rates faster. It's typically what happens. The rates start coming down and coming down fast during a recession. Um, you know, obviously, that leads to a whole bunch of ugliness that nobody really wants to see. Or there's this third theory out there that, okay, we're just not going to have a landing and we're just going to be higher for longer. Um, Goldman Sachs is one of these that projects that we're not going to see sales, you know, transactions in real estate. And a lot of these projections can be wrong, I think, and change. But you're not going to see a lot of these transaction numbers, total transactions come back to pre-pandemic levels until 2027. Oh, wow. So you're going to have a longer kind of grinded out real estate market where interest rates are much higher. Uh, home prices can stay elevated because of you know we know that 42 percent of people don't have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of equity in these homes. There's less transactions. There's less inventory, keeping these these prices higher. But kind of a higher for longer mentality when we talk about prices, talk about rates, uh, and kind of the ex- experience that we're having right now. Anything can change. Uh, the market can change dramatically, as we've seen evidence of that the last three years think about how many sharp changes you know we've had since 2020 but so. here's a
1: sharp one for you so uh i'm fortunate enough to get mailers on behalf of the team and uh, my very first one jill kept it she put it on the fridge you know because it's a like grade school right but anyways the point is in 2021 the mailer came out and it said median sales price in east Lyme was 308,000. Mm-hmm. right now 18 months later 418,000.
0: There you go. That's the market. More on it when we come back. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now Stimulating Talk. Byron Lusine, Chaz Cook. Stay with us. on Block Island things real estate radio 94.9 news now stimulating talk Byron Lazine Chaz cook with the one team William Ravis real estate one team ct.com for all your real estate needs uh, Chaz, what else do we got for the numbers here in Connecticut as we wrapped up July seven months into this 2023
1: month? Yeah, I figured I would circle back to Old Saybrook since we okay. were just giving them a shout out. And so for single- in the New York Times. And the week. New York Times. Uh, single family homes, median sale price in the town of Old Saybrook. All right, so they have seen in May they were at 552500 Is it median or average? Be- median.
0: What's the average? <laughs>
1: The average, so it's a, they did drop to five fifty. So they did come down, you know, twenty five hundred dollars. The average sale price is six hundred sixty thousand three hundred seventeen. Yeah, which is down from its peak in July of two thousand twenty two. So year over year, down ten point two percent. It was at seven hundred thirty four thousand
0: nine hundred ninety six. I need more than all those numbers if I were to sell my house, <laughs> right? That's all right.
1: Well, especially after all the work you just put into it. Exactly. Yeah, their median sale price at five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Their new listings—they had one hundred and sixty-five new properties come on the market, though, so that's down eight point eight percent year over year. um, But still not bad for a population of ten thousand. You know, one hundred and sixty-five new homes. A lot of those may have been the seasonal cottages popping up, or you know, some. They have been a little bit of new construction. They're not a ton, but you know, a little bit. And then, what are they seeing for median days on the market? They're seeing about fourteen days. For median and 28 for average days on market, both of those numbers down over 40%. So, Old Saybrook got a lot of great things going on.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that, listen, anybody that's got their taxes, property taxes under control, like Old Saybrook does, is going to be in a position for, you know, competition on the property and then those those values going up. There's plenty of. Uh, uh, towns we could point to in Connecticut where property taxes have gotten way out of line and out of control. I was having a conversation with a fortune magazine um, journalist this week, Lance Lambert, and we're putting that up on the Knowledge Brokers podcast, but he um, he said that he thinks some of the property tax increases that are going to come due over the next 12 months would be the one thing that is going to end and insurance increases, certainly places like Florida where insurance is going way up is going to be the one thing that starts to cause discomfort for homeowners because homeowners have not been living in an unaffordable housing situation. Correct. Current homeowners who are under 6% on their mortgage rate. You know, it's very affordable for them. They're in, they're in a great spot. And if you bought in 2022, beginning of 22 or before Mm -hmm. that, you're in a really strong spot as a homeowner. Uh, But he thinks the the one thing that could impact them the most in the next 12 months would be these increases in property taxes and insurance that are happening in a lot of different areas. You've you've already seen it in certain towns here in Connecticut.
1: So with the Right, insurance going up, property taxes going up, those things kind of have to go in line with home values going up because it's going to cost more to insure a more expensive home, and the prediction that rates may stay elevated for a longer period of time. Are there any specific pros and cons to that, or is it just like watching how things play out without trying to make a dramatic shift in you know, interest rates or in the economy?
0: Well, I don't know pros and cons. I mean, the con if you're a homeowner is you're, you're – monthly payments are going up. Well, yeah, yeah. Now, I guess I meant for like insurance. the overall
1: economy, like the state of Connecticut, right? Like what can people expect if those rates stay high and then some of that discomfort starts to come in from taxes and insurance?
0: Yeah, so it gets more challenging for a home buyer because it's, it becomes more unaffordable. Uh, the current, you know, homeowner has a little bit of affordability issue there with the taxes and the insurance. So you would, you know, you would think that when rates go from, Two and a half to three percent to over seven percent that home prices go down. Right. Historically that's what you you would see. You didn't see that. So taxes and insurance can be the thing that bring home values down? Not so certain that'd be the case. So, you know, you could say a, a pro would be, well, you know, maybe prices will be lower, but doesn't appear to be uh, you know, what's happening. No, because right if on. you
1: look back to March of two thousand twenty-two, the median sales price for single-family homes was three hundred fifty thousand, and now we sit at three hundred eighty. So, rates aside, home prices have gone up thirty thousand dollars in sixteen months.
0: Yeah, home prices have gone up thirty thousand dollars, and while well, rates went up over four percent, correct? Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. Um, and and you know, thirty-five hundred dollar payment in. You know, when rates were at three percent, or two and a half percent, even when they were two and a half percent, you know, 18 months ago, thirty-five hundred dollars would get you a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house. Cool. Today, thirty-five hundred dollars gets you about a half a million. That's wow. So you lost. So you lost two hundred fifty thousand. So usually, when buying you, power, yeah. you lose that much buying power, naturally prices start coming down to where. The demand can afford the house. That hasn't been the case. The two hundred fifty thousand dollars, to your point, has grown. Right, thirty thousand dollars in equity for the homeowner. You know, the, the asset of real estate is much stronger than it was in two thousand eight. You have forbearances and and delinquencies down near all time low levels. They continue month over month to go down. You have a job market that's strong. Jobs report this this past week was strong. Unemployment rate three and a half percent. You have wage growth that beat expectations on yesterday on Friday's report. So, you know what what would it take for home values to go down? What would it take? But do we uh, want them
1: to go down?
0: Like I think I we mean, want them to kind of people, plateau. People that are shopping for a home want them to come down because it's become unaffordable for some. Do We want them to as a home, somebody. I don't want the real estate that I own to go down, right? Right, but um, uh, you know, there's you're creating a camp of you know, some serious unaffordable where the starter home in America is $240,000. Go find me a $240,000 home in Connecticut that yeah. you know, depending on the town, you know, it's very hard to do, right? And um, it's moving ready, yeah, it's yeah. just livable, right? It's, it's very hard. It's very hard. And it's not getting easier. And we have an issue in this state in particular with new affordable inventory. We only build 2,000 units a year in this state. Uh, we don't do anything statewide or nationwide from a legislative standpoint to help builders build an affordable product. I don't want to see prices come down The way I want to see making building and new construction of affordable housing uh, a priority. Uh, You know, that's what I want to see. Not let's make apartments and a glut of them like coming on quarter three, quarter four in most parts of America a priority. Because that plays into my conspiracy theory that the government just wants everybody to be a renter. Right and um we hit
1: on that last week after the uh, fed meeting we recapped right.
0: that Jerome power report you know that's what it looks like they want they want to they want to know every move you make and have you renting and not owning but that's why i mean why why are there so many rental apartments out there that you can yeah. you know if you look at places of the country like nashville is going to about, about to have a uh, oversupply uh, there's a lot of, spots of in texas rentals rentals I mean, an oversupply coming by the end of this year, not here in Connecticut, but a lot of parts of the country. I
1: did a quick search, just county by county. I was curious, you know, where each county fell. So the cheapest county to live in in the state of Connecticut is actually Hartford County, where the median sale price of a single family home is $325,000. So you said statewide or
0: nationwide, it was two forty. Median sale price of existing? No, the starter home, what they consider a starter okay. home. Is $240,000. The median sale price in the country is $410,200 for 400, existing okay, home wow. sales.
1: So, over the state of Connecticut. So,
0: what's actually happening and what a starter home is are two different things.
1: Yeah. So, that's a, it's, and I, I'm curious as to why they call it like a starter home and then the median sale price home when they should just be looking at what's the cost of a single family home. Cause anything could be considered a starter home depending on where
0: you are in your life. Well, they do based off of square footage and, yeah affordability like if you were buying your first starter home how much square foot would you need what can you afford based on those median incomes there's a whole formula they use for it it's about $240,000 what it comes out to today but th- you know that's very hard to find you can find $240,000 new construction homes in places like Oklahoma City Kaufman County Texas
1: um what was that one you and uh, Nicole covered on the Real Word? They were going to put up like the mini houses, right? They wanted to buy. Yeah, I'm bunch. talking
0: about real houses. Real yeah, houses, okay.
1: <laughs> <These> tiny, <laughs> no, the little 400 square foot houses.
0: These tiny homes are just glorified trailer <laughs> communities, which are fine. Trailer communities are fine, but you know this tiny home theme is just basically because if you're going to buy a tiny home or that you know catalog tiny tiny home, which is Amazon now and used to be Sears or whatever. And you're going to go buy a piece of land. Well, you, the land's going to cost you a thousand. You're going to put your septic, you know, tank right. in your field, and you got to get water and electrical to the property. And then what they don't tell you about those Amazon tiny homes is they don't come with like the kitchen fit out and the finishes and the window. It's oh, basically so it's a shell. It's a shell. <laughs> it's like buying a box, and then good luck. So
1: you're one, so, $1. seventy five in. You drop a shell on there, and then then you have to go buy appliances, yeah, kitchen you're counters. You pay
0: like ninety thousand for this. Tiny home uh, off of Amazon to think you're, you're really game in the system, all these dumb gen Zs will probably do this they'll go buy a tiny home off of Amazon, put it on their credit card, and it'll show up and they'll just try to like build it in the woods and <laughs> you know they'd be better off just building a shed for them or using the, the shed that their parents built them when they were you know ten years ago in the they old were tree house so yeah, tiny homes are a complete scam um, you know I could see a community of next level thinking of how mobile home living could be elevated to be more of a luxurious feel. You could put tiny homes in those, make them look really nice. Right. Um, and then you're sharing have, the well, right? You probably have, have like, an HOA, yeah, yeah. have a, you know, some shared expenses through that. That could make sense to me. Chaz, where can people uh, reach out to you here this week if they need any?
1: They can call or text me at 860-575-4962, or they can shoot me an email, chaz, C-H-A-Z, at
0: oneteamct.com. Great. I'm Byron Lazine, uh, and you can reach out to me, byron, at oneteamct.com, O-N-A-T-E-A-M-C-T.com. I appreciate everybody listening. Love doing the show here. Uh, Thank you, Martin and Dougie, and everybody at Service Station Equipment for allowing us to do the show, 1-800-801-TANK. If you guys... Any residential tanking needs? Thank you, 94-9. Thank you, Cooper. Thank you, Cooper. We're running the show here on IRN. I hope everybody listening has a great weekend. Stay well. We'll see you next week. Real estate radio. You're listening to 94-9 News Now stimulating talk. Thank you, Still on.